Would you like to retire with enough? My name is Peter Guidry, and I am the host of the Retiring with Enough podcast. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing how to develop an investment plan. Okay, confession time. I've always been a planner. If you've been listening to the podcast or read the blogs, you'll know that I'm big on planning. Of course, whether we realize or not, everyone makes plans. Most often, these plans are informal and not committed to paper, but they're still plans. But this podcast will be more about committing a plan to paper and creating a more formal investment plan. Dwight Eisenhower was quoted as saying, plans are nothing, but planning is everything. But planning that doesn't result in the formulation of a plan is an exercise in futility. A written plan should be the ultimate goal of extensive planning. I've spoken before about formulating a plan in the podcast titled Having a Plan and the podcast titled Temporal Discounting. In those podcasts, we were discussing retirement plans, but you have the same need for a formal written investment plan. A retirement plan is a map to direct a person to a certain destination in life, whereas an investment plan is a map to direct a person to a certain financial destination. So what exactly is an investment plan? An investment plan aligns financial goals with investment resources, where you want to go in your financial life with what you currently own to help you get there. An investment plan is a component of financial planning which utilizes savings to ensure the greatest return through targeted investments. Having an investment plan is an integral part of the retirement planning process. But what exactly is included in an investment plan? Well, we want to start with a plan document. A plan document is a statement that provides your general investment goals and objectives, and it describes the strategies that you will employ to meet these objectives. It's kind of the where you want to go and how you're going to get there deal. Your plan document should contain the nitty-gritty of your plan execution, and it should allow for easier monitoring and modification. So first, I'm going to just list the components of this formal investment plan, and then we'll go through each one of them and discuss them just a little bit. So your investment plan should include your current financial situation. It should define your goals. It should provide your working time horizon risk tolerance, what investment vehicles you're going to be using, what types of portfolio diversification, and how you're going to monitor and reconfigure your accounts. It should also provide the portfolio from rebalancing, and of course, it should be a written, formal plan document. This definitely sounds like a lot of stuff and a lot of work, but if you break it down into smaller pieces, then it's manageable. First thing you want to know is what's your current financial situation. And that consists primarily of two sets of information. The first set or piece of information is a net worth statement. I actually have a whole podcast on net worth statements called What's Your Net Worth? This is your nest egg. This is what you have that can be invested. The second piece of information needed is the amount of new money available to invest. And I've done a podcast on that also called Annual Spending, Did I Spend That Much? 
With these two pieces of information, a person can derive total assets and the amount of new money available for investing. So it's right about this point that we should talk also about accessibility and liquidity. When you do a net worth statement, you're putting down all assets that you have, everything that you own, and of course, all the liabilities that you have. But not all of these assets are accessible or liquid. If you list a house as one of your assets, that house has a certain value, but that doesn't mean that it is liquid or accessible. Yes, you can sell your house, but it may take a month to a year to sell it, and all of the money that's tied up in your house will not be available until the house is ultimately sold. This net worth statement includes a listing of all assets, both liquid with readily available cash and illiquid, which have assets that are not easily converted to cash. A cash asset in a bank is accessible because it's immediately available for use on any business day. The same cash in a brokerage account could potentially require two or three to even five business days before it can be transferred and used outside the brokerage firm and is therefore less accessible even though it is liquid. After developing a net worth statement and defining how much money you have available to invest, you can start defining your goals. You want to begin with the end in mind. You want to develop investment categories, which means do you want to invest with safety in mind, income in mind, or growth in mind? If you're invested in the safety category, then you're going to attempt to maintain your current level of wealth. The income category is going to provide active income, while the growth category is going to attempt to build wealth over long periods of time. The best investment path will be based on which of these categories is most appropriate for you. And then the next thing to fix in your mind are investment objectives. Why are you investing? Is your investment objective saving for retirement, leaving work early, leaving a legacy for heirs? Specific wants such as a second vacation home, a luxury trip, or expensive hobbies will create another objective. Understanding your time horizon is important because it determines exactly where you'll want to place your assets. If you're going to need the money in less than three years, then obviously you do not want the money invested in long-term vehicles such as stocks or even bonds. You want your money in, in cash investments like money market funds or CDs because these are most appropriate. Investment in stocks is not indicated because stocks are very volatile in the short term. If you have three to five years, then some of your money may be invested in stocks, depending on your risk tolerance, but the bulk of your assets should be invested in short-term vehicles such as bonds, bond funds, or cash equivalents. Three years is too short a period to recover from stock market losses, so stock exposure should definitely be limited. Six to ten years or longer than stocks are where you want to be. Stocks should be your main investment, and a reasonable percentage to invest would be more than half given your investment time horizon. For most people, the investment target is retirement. If this is the case, then investments should be slanted towards growth and towards a more aggressive stance, based on risk tolerance, of course. Normally, more risk can be tolerated and accepted when the time horizon is 30-plus years. The next thing we want to evaluate is risk tolerance. 
people tend to focus on how much they can make and not how much they can potentially lose. In other words, what is their risk capacity? Markets go up and down, and almost any investment involves risk. People who are new to the investing game need to understand their risk profile. On the Internet, there are available several different types of risk evaluation assessments. And it's probably a good idea to do one of these before you start investing because it'll help you to understand what your own personal risk tolerance is. These questionnaires normally guide the decision whether you want to invest conservatively, moderately, or aggressively. There are many risks beyond whether the markets go up or down, and all of these risks can affect the value of your investment. They include interest rate risk. This is a big concern for fixed interest investments like CDs because decreases in interest rates will cause a decline in interest income produced by these fixed income vehicles. Most people are familiar with market risk, which will cause an investment to go up or down based on economic changes or other events. Stocks can be categorized several different ways, but one of the primary ways is by sector. All technology stocks are grouped together in the technology sector, banks and lending institutions in the financial sector, and all the oil field companies and oil field service companies in the petroleum sector. Rises and falls in these particular sectors can be greater or worse than the general market due to economic factors that affect these particular sectors specifically. Currency risks are risks that involve the value of money and how that value rises and falls on the world markets. Liquidity risk means you can't sell your investment and get your money when you need it without impacting the price in the market. Credit risk means a company or government that you lend to will default on the debt and be unable to pay the repayments that you have provided. Concentration risk occurs if your investments aren't diversified, and so poor performance in one investment or one asset class can significantly affect your whole portfolio. Inflation risk occurs when the value of your investments don't keep pace with inflation. Timing risk means that the timing of your investment decisions expose you to lower returns or loss of capital, and gearing risk which uses borrowed money to invest and can magnify your losses. Your investments may fall in value, but you still have to pay the remaining loan balance and interest. The next major consideration for your investment plan is what investment vehicle or vehicles you want to use. Securities like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, 401k plans, 403b plans, IRAs, bank savings accounts, CDs, 529 plans for education, savings, real estate, art, gold, digital currencies, and commodities can all be used for investment. Not all are appropriate for every investment or portfolio, and investment vehicles must consider time horizon risks and goals. Generally, the lower the risk, the lower the return, and conversely, the higher the risk, the higher the return. The next major consideration is portfolio diversification. And with portfolio diversification, we allocate assets to different investment types that fit goals and risk tolerance. Proper diversification will maximize growth and stability. We want to start early. 
start investing as soon as possible to maximize the effects of compound growth and a longer time horizon. Don't forget to create an emergency fund and get debts under control first. An investor starting early can withstand more risk and can afford to focus on growth. You definitely want to minimize fees and taxes. You want to take steps to minimize both fees and taxes. How much you make and keep are both important. Use low-cost investments and brokerages where accounts are held. Take advantage of tax-smart strategies like IRAs, Roth IRAs, and company-sponsored retirement plans to minimize taxes during the investment period. The less taxes you pay means that you have more investable dollars. You want to set up some framework to monitor and reconfigure your investments. One of the most important and least utilized weapons is this ability to monitor and reconfigure. Monitoring can uncover the fact that you're not investing enough money and you aren't on track to reach your goals, or maybe you're ahead of schedule. Reconfiguring your portfolio may involve moving money to a more stable investment over time, or if investments are performing well, you may want to increase or de-risk a portfolio. Your investment plan is not a set-it-and-forget-it vehicle. You'll want to monitor, as we stated above, and you'll also want to periodically rebalance your portfolio. So what does rebalancing mean? Rebalancing involves selling assets that have overperformed and buying assets that have underperformed to reestablish optimal target asset allocations. That's just a fancy way of saying you're going to take things that have done well and buy things that are not doing well. Or using the old stock market adage, you're going to sell high and buy low. Rebalancing occurs when a portfolio drifts from the ideal asset allocation periodically or when plans change. Other considerations include the rebalancing threshold, the cost of rebalancing, and of course the tax considerations when you rebalance. I stated at the beginning of this podcast that all of this information is going to be incorporated into a formal written plan document, which provides general investment goals and objectives for the client, and it describes the strategies that the manager should employ to meet these objectives. A plan document, as stated before, contains the nitty-gritty of plan execution and allows for easier monitoring and modification of the plan. All of this may sound like a bit of work, and it is. And the easy button here would be to engage an advisor where you would benefit from the creation of an investment plan as a part of his provided advisory services. For do-it-yourself investors, the process is more self-involved, but it's still a necessary part of the retirement planning process. Final thoughts. An investment plan should be an integral part of retirement planning. A formal investment plan considers the current financial situation, goals, time horizon, risk tolerance, investment vehicles, and portfolio diversification. Early implementation of an investment plan maximizes the effects of time and compounding on portfolio growth. Fees and taxes during the investing stage can be minimized through the use of tax-advantaged accounts, which offer tax deferral, and Roth accounts, which are tax-free. Monitoring, balancing, and reconfiguring the plan will maintain the desired portfolio composition. And your written plan contains the nitty-gritty of plan execution and it allows for easier monitoring and modification of the plan. 
in my next podcast, we'll be discussing a listener question in which the listener asked, why not just invest in real estate instead of stocks or bonds? So stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to leave a review. And if you want to partake in an online conversation, be sure to search for the Retiring with Enough group on Facebook. Thanks. The information and opinions contained on this podcast are for general education and are considered general communications. Information on the podcast was obtained from various sources and retiring with enough does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information presented. Retiring with enough strongly recommends that you perform your own independent research and or speak with a qualified investment professional, legal advisor, or tax professional before making any financial decisions. The information and opinions expressed should not be construed as financial planning and does not consider the economic status or risk profile of any specific person, nor does it constitute an offer to buy or sell securities.